0: hand and feet gestures sir are you dancing yes computer N-Spock's retro red 80s playlist captain you needed something i presume
1: uh, 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 uh. sir i th- i think
0: i i think i'm speechless that's a first for you i was. i've I Sh- should we just like, do our intro? Take it from the top. As uh, okay. Greetings, friends, and welcome to another voyage on the Starship Therapies. I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, and Spockian first officer, and '80s music aficionado. Huh. I, I, I'm I'm Justine
2: Maston, LMFT, yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist.
0: Yes, well said, sir. Now, I believe you had something to speak with me about? No.
2: I mean, yes. I mean, Spock, how did I not know you were so into 80s dance music? You never asked. Uh, I- Okay, but throughout our many years together... Many,
0: long, beautiful years.
2: You never mentioned your 80s culture love? Not once. We've watched tens of thousands of 80s films. That feels like a bit of an exaggeration, sir. Well, at least tens of 80s films together, and each time it was like pulling teeth. How could you not tell me there were some parts of the 80s you loved? When, you know, all I've ever wanted is to share this part of my childhood with you and have you enjoy it.
0: Well, sir, I I admit that may have been a a gross oversight on my part. I suppose I assumed 80s cinema is rather different from 80s music, and I was attempting to hold space for your interests. Fine, but relationships aren't just about
2: tolerating the other person's interests. They're about bi-directional interaction and
0: engagement. Ah, yes. The humanoid two-way street analogy. Yes, exactly. Do you feel that knowing about our disparate, albeit related interests in 80s culture appreciably strengthens our bond? What? Do you think this revelation matters?
1: Uh, Spock, I don't know, maybe?
0: Curious. What exactly is so curious? Well, this is just reminding me of our most recent foray into 80s cinema. Ugh, apocalypse now. No, that was my pick, and it was released in 79, and I don't believe either of us appreciate the 70s all that much. I actually loved Bell Bottoms. Well, I will hold space for that appreciation, sir. (laughs) But what I was actually thinking of was Weird Science.
2: Oh, my favorite film as a child! I used to watch it every Friday night with my babysitter, Tiff. We would get some Doritos and Coca-Cola and Domino's pizza with extra cheese, and we would watch Weird Science. It was tradition.
0: How did you come to watch this film with Tiff, and how old were you, would you say, when you first watched this film, sir?
2: Um, I don't know. I still had babysitters, so
1: seven, maybe eight.
0: You're making a face. <laughs> I mean I'm just now I now I'm speechless. I'm just thinking about just just the amazingness of like earth customs and, and parenting arrangements. <laughs> because Weird Science is by no stretch of the imagination a terrible film. <gasps> Shut your mouth. I mean, sir, I think, like, honestly, when I was watching this for the first time at your behest, all I could think of was that it made Gremlins look amazing. (laughs) Genuinely, I was like, wow, Gremlins, I thought Gremlins was bad. No, I was wrong. I was so wrong. (laughs) There's nuance, character development, all kinds of things happening in Gremlins that don't happen in Weird Science. (laughs) Um... <clears throat> okay, I,
2: I, I want to circle back to all of your thoughts and feelings Fair. about Weird Science. I do. <laughs> um, and also, we were saying we were going to talk about the gamification of dating today. Yes, and, we were. We are. A, a, we're going and, to. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm curious uh, how, how this film fit in with that idea for you.
0: Well, I mean, I would want to take it like all the way back to the top, right? Like the riffing that you and I were doing about like 80s 80s movies versus like 80s music and what does it mean to know this or not know this about one another, right? Mhm. Because I think one of one of the one of the bases of um gaming apps at this point and gaming websites though, let's be real. That's so 2008. No one is using gaming websites anymore. It's all in the apps. Um for those of you who are using gaming websites and feel targeted right now, I apologize. <laughs> I was really, I was going for a joke right now. Whatever all the the Match.com,
2: All the Match.com users
0: or are, are Farmers Only. Although right. those have apps now too. Okay, Cupid, right. Yeah, no, they have really, it was really was 2008 was like their moment in the sun. Mm-hmm. Roughly through like 09, maybe, maybe 2010. But that's, it's all apps now, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway. FarmersOnly.com. <gasps> You're welcome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one of like, like one of the core pillars of the dating app is predicated on this idea that common interests are an important metric in attraction. Ah, uh-huh. right, and that if you have a shared interest, that's going to be a basis for some kind of romantic encounter. Um, I mean, even apps like what, like Grinder and Tinder, which like historically were really more about like having Hook the, hookups, the physical as- aspect of sex, mm-hmm. even those were a little bit like you, you gotta say something about like you, your interests and, you know, I suppose sexual pleasure points in addition to so, so, like, applying some sort of visual representation of your face. Well, sure, you got to make sure that you are
2: compatible for the activities which you want to engage in.
0: Right, but I suppose that's my point, that I I would push up against all of that, this idea that compatibility is based on uh, your face
1: and your interests. So what is compatibility actually based on?
0: I mean, that is the
1: question, isn't it?
2: (laughs) okay so that that
0: fully brings us right on back to weird science it does it fully <laughs> does bring us right on back to weird science right because the the all right so the idea of weird science is that we these two these two cisgender white teenage boys whose lives i mean they feel very hard to them okay they're not aware of the ways that privilege is working for them at this point gary wallace played by anthony michael hall and wyatt donnelly played by oh i'm sorry friend illan mitchell smith maybe i got that right probably i didn't Ilan. i don't think he worked again no oh i wikied him though um oh yeah and apparently he's now a professor of uh, oh. medieval history slash literature and is involved in writing critical pieces on the tabletop gaming industry oh my god i know I've only known him as the weird science guy. Mm, yeah, no, he had he had a whole life after weird science. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like in many ways it was much more fulfilling than <laughs> the
2: weird science. He hasn't been just sitting in his room with a bra on his head for the past
0: thirty years. No, though I have to say that probably was one of my more like the least the most least horrible parts of the film for me was everyone with their bra hats on (laughs) and uh rdj robert downey jr with his bra hat that was pretty great
1: Mm -hmm.
2: oh a young rdj is it's good stuff
0: unfortunately he was pretty like deep into his addiction already by then. Sad. Yeah, you can you can tell like he has that real like you know how people talk about like the Carrie Fisher glaze that she has mm-hmm. in like the third app of the the OG Star Wars trilogy. You can totally see that in our DJ. Mm-hmm. He is ju- he is coming in and out, boy. Yeah, but he he plays this super douche, so like it's fine. No, it it, it works. Um, it mm-hmm. doesn't stand out as much as like Carrie's did, you know, because more was required of her. <laughs> really all robert had to do is show up and like gel his hair um and, and put on those like weird sort of like leather bracelets that he was rocking and he was fine uh, such great outfits but anyway how does this relate okay so gary and wyatt they they are like these sad white cisgender nerds and they just want a girl to talk to them. And yes, the film begins with the total objectification of the girls' gymnastics team friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And Gary and White just standing there, wishing that some girl would talk to them. If, if any girl would talk to them and they could go to a party they'd shower together showering with a girl is very important to them
2: that was i i do recall that being strange yeah. even when i was a younger person mm-hmm. that that was such a big deal Yeah. i was like why why the showering
0: and it was some kind of fetish for them
2: i guess yeah I, co-showering it's not very exciting
0: Well, they would, Gary, Gary and Wyatt, the characters would really disagree with you there. (laughs) So anyway, they go home and they're hanging out one night. What, Gary's sleeping over at Wyatt's because his parents are away and they're prepping for his, like, douche military brother, Chet. Chet!
2: Uh, (laughs) A young Bill Paxton. I
0: will say that, like, Chet was also one of the least horrible parts of the film
2: that's so funny because as a kid i fucking hated him
0: oh yeah he's terrible
2: because you know i was so identified with with these nerd boys Mm -hmm. that i was like chet's mean
0: (laughs) why can't he leave gary and white alone huh Mm -hmm. huh um who knows it seemed like chet had some issues with toxic masculinity that he needed to work through at this entire movie has problems with toxic masculinity. It's true. Chet was really focusing on the violent aspect of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so ever since you uh, told me how much you hated this, which was quite recently, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fair. Uh, I've well, you said something about how if if these dudes were. Alive and real today, mm-hmm. they would have started Gamergate, and I was like,
1: "You know what? That. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. They
2: would be incels. Yeah, I think yeah. that is possible.
1: Uh huh. And that is that is gross and creepy and kind of ruins my childhood. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> it's it's okay. I will say that I do. I think it's it's poorly executed, and by poorly, I do mean so poorly. Um, but I do think <laughs> the end of the film does attempt to redeem them in a way um, and offer an alternate approach to sex, sexuality, romantic connection. Uh, it does a real a real bad job, um, but it it tries. But we're you know what? We're gonna just put that to the side. Because what we need to focus on right now is the, the worst part of an admittedly bad film, which is Gary <laughs> and Wyatt getting together using Wyatt's supercomputer that he was gifted for his birthday. I don't know what his parents do. They must, they must make a lot of money. Yes. Yes. So they get together and Gary has this great idea that we are going to, because they're hanging out and they're walking, watching Frankenstein. Yes. And Gary gets the idea that we are going to... Or I believe it was Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, I know. You're right. It is. It's Bride of Frankenstein. (laughs) Touche. That Gary gets the idea that we need to... We're going to build a a super super supercomputer algorithmic model of a woman. And his friend Wyatt is like, well, that's dumb, Gary. And why it doesn't say that for all the reasons that you might think it's dumb, right? Um, it's insensitive. It defeats the purpose of having a real interpersonal connection with another human being. No, no. Why it says it's dumb? Because we would never be able to make her real life. So what would be the point? <laughs> so then they, they go in the computer, and of course, it starts where you think it is. They like play with boob size. hmm. hmm. No, no bigger than a handful.
2: Bigger than a handful. You strain your thumb.
0: God, you started watching this film when you were seven.
2: <laughs> Maybe eight. Uh, the 80s were so friends, if you are if you are younger than 40 ish, um, you, you may not remember films of the 80s. Uh, I just want to give you just this brief overview that parenting in the 80s looked a lot different than um than later parenting uh that the, there was really no care about ratings and the rating system was much different then than it is now um so it, am, am i letting my parents off the hook about this
0: i uh... am <laughs> I mean, hard, hard to know hard to know <laughs> But it,
2: um, and I want to say it was a social norm, generally speaking, although lots of the kids that I hung out with were not allowed to watch the movies that I watched. Mm -hmm. And when they came to my sleepovers, I have a very distinct memory of this friend of mine who was not allowed to watch the movie we were watching, and she went and sat in the other room.
0: Wow, she was an obedient child. I know! Like, I definitely encountered it was mostly video games. I could pretty much watch whatever I wanted mm-hmm. except the Simpsons and Bugs Bunny because that was too violent. Um <laughs> but Last of the Mohicans for a seven year old was like totally okay. Oh, scalpings. Good, good. Right. Well it was, you know, it was I think my parents felt that it was um historical and <laughs> that it was art and that we could discuss it, whereas Bugs Bunny and The Simpsons were neither of those things. I think that the fullness of time has shown that that was incorrect and that I should have been able to watch all three of those <laughs> <laughs> pieces of of uh, of media but um, regardless I was mostly trying to sneak video game access but yeah props to I guess your friend who was just so obedient that she was like no mm-hmm. I'm not going mm-hmm. to not going to watch this this film
1: and funny she's a professor
0: now too <laughs>
1: i feel like we could take
0: such a deep dive um but we actually have to talk about weird science (laughs) (laughs) and okay so they have a supercomputer they do the boob thing um they go back and forth on whether or not the girl should have a brain that they're creating (sighs) yeah and they ultimately decide that like they she will have a brain initially Mm -hmm. they give her a fifth grade education um which it was like played for laughs i'm sure i wasn't laughing but someone was maybe john hughes me when Um, i was eight (laughs) you when you well you were eight (laughs) and you were doing what so many of us did and still do when we don't in any way sort of like match with whoever the protagonist is we just put ourselves in the protagonist's shoes and here's the thing Mm -hmm. i think that that's great it shows the power of like human empathy, compassion, mirror neurons, all that good stuff. But the problem mm-hmm. is that, like, especially for young children, they're putting themselves in that position, and they're they're taking that viewpoint without understanding the limitations of that viewpoint. And so that can lead to things like internalized sexism and self-hatred. Yes. yes. That would be accurate. Yes. Um. So, yeah, initially they're like, my sex bot shouldn't have much of a brain then they're like give her fifth grade intelligence and then then there's a montage of them like cutting out photos from magazines and and first it's like body parts right because you have to get the ideal body part for each section of this human woman robot thing they're creating and then they just start cutting off like pictures of famous people right and they cut out a picture of albert einstein and they have this fax machine or scanner whatever they were calling it back in the 80s i don't know I went with fax machine, but they're able to just like fax it or scan it into the computer. And then you see on the screen that it's like it pulls up this little sort of 3D model that the computer is creating and goes to the brain part. And it's like Einstein. And then there's an arrow from the word Einstein into the brain. And I can only imagine that from that we are supposed to infer that they give this sex bot an Einstein level of intelligence. Mm hmm mm-hmm and then they have like they have like a barbie and some like mini sort of like jumper cables that kind of look like the clips that dentist's office used to use to secure <laughs> the drip cloth <claw. laughs> and they use they use that to like clip onto barbie and somehow connect to the wires of the computer. And at which point, right, like, the 80s synth music is going, all kinds of things are happening, gravity's being defied, paper's flying everywhere, things are breaking. At this point, Anthony Michael Hall is like, we need to destroy your computer, and unplugging it, for some reason, doesn't cut the power. (laughs) A lot more carnage happens. And I think then, what, Like they fall asleep, maybe? Or do they not fall asleep? No, they don't something weird mm-hmm. happens to the, with the door to their room and the door like explodes. Mm-hmm. And there is Kelly there, LeBrock, Kelly LeBron. <laughs> as, as Lisa, because they
1: have to name her. Mm. In a, in a very sexy gym outfit. I mean,
0: she's at, she's in a sexy gym outfit at the end of the film because she becomes the boys PE coach
2: no at the beginning she's in that she's in that crop sweater yeah and, and like the blue and undies that that was that counted as gym wear in the 80s okay, okay.
0: I mean I defer to you sir <laughs> <clears throat> yeah uh,
2: <laughs> yeah I'm i am thinking back now to when I was a younger person and I don't think I realized it at the time but I think I really liked Kelly LeBrock. <laughs>
0: it makes sense yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyway mm-hmm. shes i mean she's she's beautiful
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she has wonderful hair it's like it's it's great mm-hmm. and
2: uh, so smart einstein smart um mm. yeah so uh, so spoilers uh this <laughs> is a well this film is fan fiction of mm-hmm. uh bride of frankenstein yes
0: well said that's a. It that was a much um, more succinct synopsis of the one I just did. <laughs> you
2: had a lot of feelings, and it, that's okay. We get. I hope that you emoted. I did. I actually feel a lot better. <laughs> but yeah. So th- this is this is John Hughes fan fiction of mm-hmm. Bride of Frankenstein, and what would happen if? Mm-hmm. We did that today. And I mean really Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein on their faces. Um why is it Bride of Frankenstein? It's Frankenstein's monster. Anyway, uh
0: <laughs> yes, that
2: is a well, I think does he does the
0: doctor build him for himself? Well, if I if I reflect on the book, it's not a main focus of it, but I want to say doesn't doesn't like Frankenstein, like Dr. Frankenstein doesn't mm-hmm. his wife excuse me, doesn't his wife like die or something? Probably. And then maybe he wants to like resurrect her? Oh. Oh. God. And it. I don't I don't think in the book he ever does. I've never mm-hmm. like spoilers or like I guess not really spoilers, but confession, I've never seen Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. so I don't know if he's if like the doctor's trying to resurrect his wife if they pulled that from the book at all I don't know why they would they were in no way faithful to the book like ever in any of the Frankensteins mm-hmm. um I'm not bitter it's fine yeah
2: but as, as I'm sitting with the thought of of Frankenstein's monster I mean that that shit's always fucked up yes like we're you know this mm-hmm. is He's pulling. He pulled from some pretty fucked up source material,
0: and he made I it know- even more messy. <laughs> <laughs> At least initially, because it does seem like with within the first like I don't know twenty. No, not even really. More like five to ten minutes. That um, what Lisa is what they name her Kelly LeBron. Mm-hmm. Lebrac. I just want to call her LeBra, but that's not right. It's LeBron. Um, uh-huh. LeBronk, If you know what I'm saying. Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the first like five to ten minutes that she's around they make it does seem like maybe the way the movie's going is it's just going to be uh, i don't know an 80s softcore porn and they're just going to have a three-way or something <laughs> right it it really seems like that's well, they, the direction they shower that together going. it's the first yeah. it's the first thing they want to do mm-hmm. they shower together they keep their pants on they seem both turned on and horrified which mm-hmm. actually, you know what i'm having flashbacks to when I read Frankenstein as an undergrad in college, mm-hmm. and my lit professor would have loved this scene, and he probably saw it i mean he was yeah, he probably did he was real old um <laughs> <laughs> he was he was really into erotic horror, oh, and he, he wasn't so he likes Guillermo, probably if he 's still alive, probably if he's still alive, he really gets down with Guillermo, and what he meant by erotic horror is that he felt like. Like In in certain types of um, British literature, you see this fear of sex and sexuality because it brings you in contact with death, because birth often kills the mother, it can destroy the dyadic unit, which is like the marriage partnership, and it makes you confront the fact that we're all going to die one day. And so we are both attracted to sex, but we also flee from it because we must, it, it requires that we confront death and thus erotic horror. What kind of class was this? It was the 19th century novel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like he would have loved the fact that they keep their <laughs> pants on and are both like really titillated, but also horrified because erotic horror. Yeah. Proves his point. It really does. Maybe he wrote a paper. God, I hope he did. (laughs) I think that would have been great if he wrote a paper involving (laughs) science and erotic horror and Frankenstein. Uh, It's not too late. We can. Uh, Maybe we will. Um, We are so far away from where we started. I'm not even mad. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) I am not even mad.
2: So, um, I, I am going to bring us back to mm-hmm. the gamification of, of dating. Sure. Um, and Frankenstein,
0: I guess. Yeah. Because, uh-huh. well. Erotic horror.
2: Yeah, well, because uh, just because we have the technology now doesn't mean we haven't been trying to find and create
0: the perfect sexual romantic partner for generations
2: right it's been this you know this not just subtext but in text and it's become such a part of the social consciousness that you know now that we have these apps to in a way create our perfect partner Mm -hmm. um we we haven't learned anything right because all of those stories end in fucking tragedy and i don't want to say that no app
0: relationship can end well because obviously they do right of course um but it's more that like we're questioning the construct and the way that like apps are created and like and the the metrics that they use right like this idea that it's mm -hmm. about um whether or not you both enjoy 80s cinema for example or enjoy 80s culture at all and like what is your, what's the ideal height of your partner and the ideal like girth and width and mm-hmm. um, like these kind like age range, right? Like, is that, are, are those the kinds of metrics that are actually going to help you find someone that you have a real shot at a genuine connection with, be it physical or like medium to long term romantic? I don't know. I don't know either. And I think like both like Gary and Wyatt, like they make the mistake that like we are continuing to make this time via apps of thinking that sure, that matters. Sure, that's going to be this deciding factor. And yet what actually ends up happening between the two of them and Kelly LeBrock is that she becomes this kind of like sexual spirit guide, big sister. Yeah. Mm hmm. You know that like all these yeah. things that they thought that they wanted and that they were looking for and that would turn into this ideal partner like she's not their ideal romantic partner. She's like neither one of them end up with her in the end. Mm-hmm. She but and yet but she does take on this role that is important. They have a meaningful relationship with her.
2: Yeah, but uh, essentially they abandon their creation.
0: Yeah. Much like Dr. Frankenstein. They do. And she's smart enough, perhaps, because they faxed a photo of Einstein into the supercomputer <laughs> to, <laughs> to understand. fax received. Right? To understand <laughs> that, like, that's the point. Like, she, she very much, I mean, the, especially the way that I think Kelly plays it, right? Like, she, she plays the character as understanding her role much better than the boys do. She understands that it's not about them having some kind of relationship, sexual or otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's about her helping them learn how to have genuine, meaningful interactions Mm -hmm. with peers. So what we're really talking about, well, we're talking about a lot of things, but one of the things we're talking about (laughs) is whether or not attraction can be quantified. Mm Mm-hmm. Can we measure it? Can we make it a set of data points? And can we use those to create an algorithm that are actually going to help people increase the chance of finding uh, romantic partners who are good prospects of of help of, like, connecting with and having a a meaningful and positive interaction with? So
2: I would say... Maybe attraction can be quantified because we, you know, we tend to have particular preferences. And so all those questions about, you know, shape and size and uh, hair color, eye color, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, sure, people have particular preferences. Um So maybe you can assume that if those people tick off those things that there would be an attraction. Mm -hmm. But I think as far as long lasting compatibility, that's a very different thing. Because just because you found someone you are attracted to doesn't mean that you are
0: compatible human beings. Well, no, and it doesn't, it doesn't speak at all to the likelihood of of having chemistry with a person, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like, you right. yourself, it sounds like at a young age on some level, were like, Kelly LeBrock, what a babe. <laughs> and thus sort of develop some sort of a parasocial dynamic with her. But mm-hmm. if you had encountered her in real life, I don't know if you would have found that you would have had any spark with her necessarily. And that's, I think that's what, like, apps dating apps are attempting to say that they can do a little bit that they can help you increase the likelihood of finding someone that you're going to spark with Mm -hmm. and i don't at least based on what i've seen i don't think that's true at all because i don't think we really understand why we spark with some people and not with others right Mm. And yeah. and that's very true of Gary and Wyatt. They really thought they were going to spark with Lisa. And they have a kind of spark with her. But again, it's more of that big sister, younger brother, we need help. And we need you to teach us how to be cool kind of spark. It's not let's be sexual partners.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, this, this is an interesting point, because I'm thinking about, um, as you were talking and mentioned my uh, possible young crush on uh, Kelly LeBrock, which I am only just now <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think about other you know celebrities who I have found to be attractive and had you know this sparks had a this sparks joy moment with them sure um, and you know it's they, they fit a certain pattern but not all celebrities who fit that pattern have sparked that joy
1: Mm-hmm.
2: so right what is it about them right what what makes a jensen sparkier than a jared and he does um
0: i think i think many humans adult humans really just any humans across this great nation who have had the pleasure to watch supernatural <laughs> would do nothing but agree with you
2: <laughs> and, and some would disagree they would sure. say jared is much sparkier than jensen they would and these are both be, like objectively based on societal attractiveness norms mm-hmm. fucking beautiful humans
0: yeah i mean the, when we think about our westworld construct of a, of attractive uh, men they both meet it Mm-hmm. and yet one one sparks more sexual ardor for you than, than the other <laughs> ardor this topic is great (laughs) you know i didn't think i would feel this way but i'm actually really glad that uh we've watched weird science oh i feel so
2: vindicated i'm just gonna go ahead and walk over here and get my kirk's right board and uh put another i told you so notch on there Uh, i feel better now uh brian feel free to insert a sound effect of a marker on a board <laughs> but bringing us back around now that i've had my my joyful moment um <laughs> i i'm thinking about in psychology we we love not us specifically but mm-hmm. our our uh, particular career loves telling people what their personality types are
1: Oh, yes, and, that's very true. Yep. Yeah,
2: like how they assigning them letters and numbers and how they fit and uh, mm-hmm. and giving quizzes. And I'm thinking of specifically Myers-Briggs is one that comes up a lot. Right. Um, and I've I've had clients come in and tell me about someone they're dating and they're like, I don't know how we're going to fit because I'm a E something, something, something and he's, he's an, an, I and he's something, an something. INFP
0: or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I'm like, this is meaningless. (laughs) Right, right. I have people come in with that sometimes, but more and more common. And this might just be like a regional difference. Enneagrams. Uh, That is a regional difference. People are all about the enneagram and the numbers and what it means and how your number can change due to certain stressors. And like, you may have already picked this up, but spoiler alert here, folks, I am not trained in enneagrams. I don't actually know if enneagrams are a type of assessment that the field of psychology at large would embrace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It might be a little bit too close to things like I don't know astrology sh- signs and whatnot. But it, it definitely yeah. is seems at least anecdotally to be a meaningful metric to people. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah, I've I've had people bring those up too, and I'm like, I don't, I know nothing about this. If mm-hmm. it helps you make sense of your life, Mazel. But mm. right. <laughs> Right,
0: but then I also think about like maybe more fandom-based ones, like you know, like the the Kirk archetype, the Spock archetype, right? Mm-hmm. And then I wonder, like from a from a dating app standpoint, I don't know if a dating app would have matched us, right? you and me,
2: or you and your partner.
0: No, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you and me, <laughs> you you Captain, I Spock, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if a dating app would have been like these two humans would be good. Partners, they're gonna work well together, there's gonna to be great like chemistry between like I don't I don't think I don't necessarily think that a dating app would have. I think if I would have gone on that app and been like, you know, eighties music, logic puzzles, <laughs> Russian novels. <laughs> and, you know. and I would have
2: said uh nineties hip hop.
1: You sure would have. <laughs>
2: uh dance class and uh young adult supernatural books
0: how, how would we have matched we're right like we would we would not have at all the dating app would have been like no 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 we're not even gonna give you the opportunity to swipe on this mm-hmm. person it's so likely that you're not gonna fit at all
1: Hmm. yeah so what do what do people do what does this mean for our listeners?
0: So if we can take any cues from weird science, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think there are some cues there, especially at the end of the film. It seems like it lies with having IRL connections within the context of shared community.
1: Mm.
0: Because the two folks that Gary and Wyatt end up with, it the movie doesn't do much work at all to give either of these um, female identifying individuals much backstory or character, but the movie does indicate that they, the, the the four of them have interacted periodically throughout their high school career. They know of each other. They have, they seem to have at least some shared, maybe not shared interests, but shared experiences mm-hmm. that they can talk about and relate to a little bit. And it does seem like it's, it's the, uh, the opportunity to interact with each other multiple times in a variety of different contexts that helps them realize that there might be something more between them than just being schoolmates. hmm Yeah. Which makes a kind of sense when we think about how connections start to be built, right? Mm-hmm. And we really can't, we do learn so much about not just ourselves, but about other people by going through things with them. Right?
2: Yes. I mean,
0: unfortunately, in the film, what they went through
2: was a completely contrived motorcycle gang attack. Um,
0: Sure. But prior to that, (laughs) it was a very realistic depiction of parties in the 80s, (laughs) which was set up by our... Einstein level of intelligence, Fembot <laughs> played by Kelly LeBrock. That's true. <laughs> but it um, seemed like rather than like her moving from a place of it like being contrived or set up, she was what she was trying to foster was let's get a shared communal experience. You guys can do this. You're more interesting than you give yourselves credit for. You're more fun than you give yourselves credit for. You need the chance to just get out there because you have been unfairly stereotyped by your community. That opportunity has been like thus far you've been deprived of it right so i'm going to give you the chance to kind of get out there and you can experience yourself in some new ways and other people can experience you in some new ways and you can see what grows
1: wow that was a lot of defense of weird science
0: (laughs) yeah i feel a little uncomfortable right now if i'm totally (laughs) if i'm totally honest
2: Okay, so going out in the real world or in the virtual world, mm-hmm. um, but really interacting yes. with with other humans, not just matching with other humans.
0: Yeah, and like and if you are you know, dating right now and using apps to do it, this isn't to say that you can't find anyone via a dating app, plenty of people do, but mm-hmm. I think part of what can be helpful is understanding the limitations of that app mm-hmm. and doing a couple things, like being gentle with yourself. If you've been out there and you've been trying and it's just not working, understanding that this is not a you problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is This is a problem of the limitations of algorithms and applications. And mm-hmm. this is a, a growing problem in this country, which is that there are less and less opportunity for people to come together in communal settings and just do stuff together.
2: Yeah, it's it's a real problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it, it's hard to find spaces where people just are that aren't mm-hmm. bars, which right. generally speaking, a bar is not a great place to make a long-term emotional match. It might be a good place to make a short-term sexual match.
1: Sure.
0: Um, or to enjoy a, a plate of vegan nachos. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, with Kelly LeBrock. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your fantasy. My fantasy just involves vegan nachos. <laughs> and and I don't know, war and peace probably. <laughs>
2: Picture it, Spock sitting at a bar eating vegan nachos, reading War and Peace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a handsome stranger approaches.
0: Spock says, Please go away. I meant I've had a good part. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think something else about
2: apps that we haven't talked about that's important mm-hmm. to remember is um, that they, at, the purpose of apps and websites and all this stuff is to make money. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They they are a part of capitalism. Yes. And so the their greatest <clears throat> goal is not your joy and happiness. Their greatest mm-hmm. goal is making money. Right. So, and that again, that's not to say don't use them because we do all sorts of things that in some way contribute to capitalism, mm-hmm. but it's something to remember. Again, as when we're feeling frustrated or, you know, I'm not meeting the people I want to meet. It's like, why isn't this thing working? Well, it's it's not made to make you happy.
0: No, it's It's made made to make money. Yeah, which means that like they need to keep you on it. They need to keep you swiping. Back in the day when there when it was more website based, you'd get pop ups all the time Mm -hmm. being marketed all kinds of things. And again, like that was how the website, the creators of the website really made their money. It was like driving, driving content there and then being paid to buy advertisers to market things to you, mm-hmm. be it products, people or some combination
1: of both. hmm. Yeah. So. Ga- dating is a game. Mm-hmm. Uh.
2: uh I- do you feel like people want to win at dating? That since it's been gamified,
0: there's a feeling of wanting to, like, win? I think so. A sense of, like, trying to, like, play play your cards right. Do, like, follow the right rules. You don't want to care mm-hmm. too much. You don't want to seem too interested. You don't want to be too vulnerable too quickly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because you might not win, like, and you'll lose if you're the person who seems like they care more than the other one does.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of, like, dating app social norms. Mm-hmm. That I... Spoiler alert, I don't like social norms. Um,
0: so... <laughs> what a shock this will be for our listeners.
2: <laughs> um, but the, it's really... I think it's really damaging. Yeah. The particularly some of these norms that have come up and not to say that dating norms haven't always been kind of fucked up. Like, right. You know, weird science clearly shows us that too. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and you know, there used to be it the three day rule. Don't, don't call someone until three days after your date. Right. Um, or you'll seem too eager. like, and and it was call because we only had landline phones, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so these these types of rules have always been there, and and they're not useful. They're not helpful. Right. They just continue to
0: feed into our own insecurity. And right. They're they're an attempt to help us feel like we're less likely to get hurt.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. But. The, people are being hurt you know with the don't call for three days thing the person who is not being called for three days
1: it is hurt they potentially feel yeah uncared about mm-hmm. um
2: and i mean it, it was very it was very gendered back in the day oh yeah so it was like the the man waits three days to call the woman if the woman calls before that. She's too needy.
0: Yes. Oh. Don't pick up on the first ring. Wait till at least the third ring. There are a lot of threes. Lots of threes. I don't know what that was about. I suppose Young would, ha- Young would have some
2: thoughts about threes. Yeah. Don't have sex till the third date. Yeah. Mm. Lots of threes. Yeah. Lots lots of threes, I'm sure man. Young would have something to say about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I... Uh, I, you know, I always want to invite people to take a look and see if these norms are serving them. Mm -hmm. I also know that it's we can't opt out of them entirely because then, you know, you're you're an outlier in this system,
0: and that can be damaging too. It's true. I mean, really, it'd be nice if everyone had a Kelly LeBrock who could kind of take their hand (laughs) and help guide them through. (laughs) <laughs> through sexual maturity the, the turbulent waters of not just sexual maturity but just like of of dating and partnering right mm. and my god i can't believe what we've been able to get out of weird science but here we go <laughs> again right because i think the opportunity here is that you can be your own kelly lebrock and no what i'm not just talking about masturbation Um, (laughs) what I'm, what I'm saying is that you, you can take care of yourself as you're dating. And I, what I would put forth is I think it's really important to be mindful of how to care for yourself when you're out there dating, right? To know that Mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of control over when you're going to be called or who's going to like, what, if the other person is going to initiate and at what point, but you can be really aware of how agitated you might be getting about it and notice when you need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. When you need, you know, some restorative self care. When you need to reach out to friends or engage in a different kind of community. When you maybe you need a nap, right? Hmm.
1: Yeah. Get
0: social support.
1: Hmm. Get social support, and that includes learning how to be your own social support. Hmm. Yeah, because you can't always build someone to be that for you.
0: Nope no (laughs) at least presently it seems like you can't you can use like apps to serve as reminders you can use your bullet journal to help uh, to again to encourage to foster reflection um and all of these things will aid in self-care and support but ultimately Mm -hmm. you you kind of have to be your own spirit guide in this one
1: hmm
2: so what, what are you hoping people will walk away from this pod today with?
0: Well, I hope that those of you who went on the weird science journey with us feel like, wow, that was worthwhile. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I did that, even though this film was full of all of the isms, sexism, racism, <laughs> capitalism, uh, I mean, it, yes,
2: it. I, I can't mm-hmm. deny that. But that's true of most films from the
0: 1980s. That's true. It doesn't make it okay, though. <laughs> no, it, does, it doesn't make it okay. <laughs> so that, yes, you felt like taking this journey with us was worthwhile. I guess I would also hope that for those of you out there who are using... Um, dating apps and any really any kind of kind of online dating to really think critically about what those systems are designed to do, um, what and what they can help you do and kind of what are their limitations as an invitation to think about setting reasonable expectations for yourself. And being gentle with yourself around those expectations, being gentle with yourself around the fact that it is hard and frustrating to meet someone. And that while there are many apps that are supposed to make it easier and simpler, the reality is that it doesn't really seem like we have enough of an understanding about what is going to foster lasting and meaningful connection for an app to be able to really be helping you find someone who's more likely Mm -hmm to spark that for you.
1: Yeah.
2: Humans are more complicated.
0: We are. And, you know, and then also kind of looking for opportunities to have IRL interactions with people, not necessarily of like a dating or romantic nature, but just to kind of be like, wake up and be aware to all the different kinds of opportunities for interaction that are being put in front of you. And maybe to even reconceptualize dating as Another opportunity to have an interaction with someone rather than thinking of it as, well, it's going to be this way and it's going to lead to this thing that it's like I'm getting to know someone and I have no idea like what that's going to mean or where that's going to take me. And if you feel like you can't be open to that, well, what that might mean is maybe you need to take a break.
2: Sure. If if the other person is only a potential romantic or sexual partner mm-hmm. and they are not just another human being that you are getting to know in the world for the purpose of getting to know another human being in the world then then we're getting we're getting too laser focused mm-hmm. and i i would say reactive
1: mhm
2: then we're not coming from a place of calm where we where we are choosing where we are being mindful and making choices but we are being reactive and you know, almost lashing out like this. This person needs to be my partner.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, and honestly, like you may have some very good. I don't want to use the word good because I don't love that word. But like it may make complete sense that you're at that place right now. Like maybe you've been doing this for a long time. Maybe you've moved to a new city. Maybe you're feeling so lonely and this mm-hmm. feels so hard and so big and you just want it to work already. Mm-hmm. And of course you feel that way.
1: And yet, you know, Chet online, who
0: seems to like fishing <laughs> and online boxing. I mean, Chet, Chet can't really meet that need for you right now. N- no. Chet can't change the fact that you
2: have left a place that you loved with the people that you cared about and that things are hard right now. Chet can't right. fix that. Nope. Only you can fix that. So what that means is you have already matched with yourself. What? How can you be the best partner to you?
0: (laughs) Tune in next time, folks. We're going to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) All joking aside, um, you are so empowered to be the best partner to you in so many ways. Not in not in every single way. We would never say that. But as far as managing your own self care, whether you're in a relationship or not, only only you
1: can take the lead in that. hmm Oh. That feels like a perfect spot to close for today.
2: Um so we we talked a lot about uh dating and dating apps we talked about the myers-briggs and the enneagram uh we talked about social constructionism because of of course we did and then of course we talked about the maybe didn't age great movie weird science and i learned some stuff about myself so that was neat
0: you know what i did too oh and we also got to talk about erotic horror Oh, we did also get to talk about (laughs) erotic horror. That was a real blast from the past, and a welcome one.
2: (laughs) We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. We asked our computer to create the perfect producer, and it created you. Join us for our next ep on Be Your Own Boss, how to advocate for yourself. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, live live long and and prosper.
1: prosper.